Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Finished up the year in a series called House. And uh, you notice I haven't taken the banner down outside. There's a reason for that. I think I might have to come back at least two more times uh, in, a, in a week or so. But uh, just want to remind you that next week, Friday and Saturday, we are having a marriage and relationship conference called Household because we know that there is something that has a hold on every house. For some of you, it's love. For some of you, it's patience. For some, of it's under, for some of you, it's understanding, but we do recognize that there may be some houses represented here that are held by anger and pain and bitterness. All I know is that we want to make sure by the end of next weekend that who has a hold of your house is Jesus. And we're going to spend a couple days together. It is going to be fantastic. If you cannot afford to come, you can't use that as an excuse because then it becomes free to you. If you're a regular part of Passion, then it's only $25 a couple, $10 an individual. But you say, well, I just don't have that. Well, good news. Then it's free. We'll work that out with you. But I want you here. So I encourage you to take advantage of that and be here for this conference. It's going to be powerful. Well, I told you, uh, I think it was the week before Christmas, our, our Christmas service, that uh, this first Sunday in January, I wanted to kind of do, for lack of a better term, a state of the church address, if you will. And so we're going to do that. It's a little different kind of message, but uh, just want to kind of share with you where we're going and what God has in store for us, I believe, some of the mandates that he's giving us for this new year. Now, uh, let me start it off by, the, by saying this. I recognize that as I read Scripture, if you start in Genesis and you read through Revelation, what you discover is that the Bible, in essence, is a study in balance. Uh, most people, or a lot of people at least, uh, they kind of push the Bible off as nothing more than a history book. And in fact, it does show and reveal history because if you begin in the beginning of the book, it shows and it paints for us what took place on this globe, this ball of dirt that we call earth or we call our home. It shows us what took place from the beginning of time. And so in essence, it does show history. You can also recognize that it paints the, the complete picture of the history of Israel. It, it chronicles for us the nation of Israel, and it teaches us about their past and about their history. Then we move forward, and it sketches out for us the life and ministry of Jesus. Now, if all that the Bible did was do that, then it is nothing more than a history book. But the balance of Scripture is this, is that although it does paint for us a picture of what has taken place, it also points us forward to what will take place. It is futuristic, if you will. Jesus' life follows suit. You will remember that uh, Jesus teaches us very clearly that he says it like this, I came to fulfill the law. It is that law, that oral tradition passed down from generation to generation. It is that law inscribed on those, those rock pallets that Moses brought down the mountain that the children of Israel looked to and were bound to. It anchored them to their past. It told them who they were and who they were supposed to be. And Jesus says, my ministry, my life, my existence fulfills that law. It ties you to the past. It fulfills that. But Jesus' life didn't stop there. Jesus' life and his 
ministry and his death and his resurrection and then his ascension ultimately point us to what will be. It's a study and balance. It's about what happened but what's also going to happen. And so as Christians, as believers, as members of the body of Christ, we must learn to live in this balance. We must learn to learn from and honor and celebrate the past. But at the same time, if we're not careful, our past be- can become a trap or a prison or a jail cell that stops us in our path and inhibits us and stalls us, and ultimately it will destroy our forward movement. But So we've got to become the, and learn the art of keeping one eye on the past like the children of Israel. They were so gifted at building monuments and memorials and markers that show us how far we've come, and we have come a long ways. But we cannot stop there because we must also keep one eye posted to the horizon to what God is bringing down and towards us. Because if we don't do that, when the pillar of fire moves and God's presence moves, we are left behind. We must learn to learn from our past but anticipate what is ahead. Scripture teaches us this. In fact, as I was looking through uh, Scripture, I discovered that in a relationship with Christ, when we view our lives in a relationship, in light of that relationship, we are commanded to be a people of movement. Always moving forward. We are to be people who refuse to settle in ruts, but rather press forward. We're to move from milk to meet and glory to glory. That is the call. That is the mandate on our lives, you recognize that the difference between a river and a swamp is simply one thing, movement. One grows stagnant and nobody wants to go there. The other one, people seek it out and take vacations on them because there's fresh living water there. And that is the call and that is the mandate as believers is that we must continually keep moving. In fact, I found it like this in Scripture, Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 17 in the Message Bible. I think this paints the picture of what our life and our attitude should be. It says, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. I could stop there and say some of you have been tending graves too long. He goes on and he says, it's adventurously expectant, greeting God. Listen to this, with a childlike, what's next, Papa? Get that into your spirit. That is the question that should permeate our life and our existence with God. What is next? We appreciate what you've done. We take a glance back and we recognize your faithfulness over our past. But in our spirit, there's this cry that says, what's next, Dad? What's next, Father? What's next, God? He goes on and he says, God's spirit touches our spirit and it confirms who we really are. We know who he is and We know who we are. He's Father and we're children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with Him, then we certainly are going to go through the good times with Him. I'm kind of like a friend of mine. I heard him say a couple years ago, uh, his life that year in his church had been extremely difficult and he said as he was examining and looking back over the previous year he said I don't know whether to wave at it or flip it off and uh, some of you kind of feel that way about 2009 you've had a unbelievably difficult year and you don't know whether you should celebrate what God has done or just say good riddance but what I'm saying to you is that we must become a people that recognize that even through the struggles when we go through the hard times if we go through them with Jesus We're still moving forward. 
And so we must become people that say, what's next? We're supposed to be the, those people that are, are growing. Too many of us are, are like the teacher. In, in Spiritually speaking, we're like the teacher who's, who put down on her resume that she had 20 years of experience teaching. And all of her colleagues said, no, she's got one year of experience repeated 20 times. Y'all ever had that teacher before? You know that when you go through the class, all the people that are coming behind you that are younger than you, when they get to that class, they're going to get the same lessons, the same tests. They're going to hear the same stories, go through the same activities, and it's the same class. No growth, no maturing, no uh, evolving. It's this, that's how many of us are spiritually. The same experience over and over. Julie and I are not big movie buffs. We're always, oh, eight months behind on movies, I guess, or so. I don't know. It's just the way it is. Um, but over this break, we, we rented, well, I'm going to place the blame where it belongs. Julie rented a movie. It was all, it, honestly, it wasn't my favorite. It was about a guy named Benjamin Button. <clears throat> I, okay, some of you know. If you don't, let me just fill you in. The, the the basic concept, y'all know it because Brad Pitt was in it. I know why y'all know it. The girls were all, oh, yeah, I know that movie. But Brad Pitt plays this character that was born old. When he came out of his mother's womb, he had arthritis, and he could barely see, and he couldn't move very well. And then something unique or interesting begins to happen. As he grows, quote, older, he actually grows younger. And as everybody else is getting more decrepit and, and slow and aging, he's actually getting stronger and his eyesight improves and he becomes more mighty and, and he gets more adventurous and all these kind of things are happening until one day he becomes an infant again and he dies. That is the saddest picture of most of us as Christians because while those around us are maturing in their faith, many of us are immaturing to death. While, while we should be growing and evolving in our relationship with Christ, instead we actually immature and become less knowledgeable about God and know less about Him, and we immature to death. It's kind of like the wasp. Did you know that a wasp is actually bigger at birth than at the time of its death. It actually shrinks all of its life. I wonder how many of us have shrunk in our relationship with God. I wonder how many of us were more concerned about the things of God, followed more diligently after Him when we were teenagers than we do now because we've been covered up with the cares of life and therefore now we were stronger then than we are now and we actually shrink through life. That's the saddest way to live. God has called us to grow, to mature. It's time to quit shrinking. Growth is a requirement. If we're going to walk in this relationship with God the way that he prescribed, then growth is a requirement. Let me get really specific with you this morning about your own life. Take a moment, if you will, and think back over your 2009 life. If we get to January 2011 and you still attend church as much as you did 
January 1st and you still give as much in the offering as you gave on January 1st and you still witness the same amount that you witnessed on January 1st and you still read the same amount of scripture that you read on January 1st. When we roll around to January 2011, can I declare to you if there is no change and there's no growth and there's no upward scale in your life, you are dying day by day and you're plateaued at best and shrinking at worst. God has called us to grow. And so this morning, I want us to be balanced. I want us to understand where we've been as a body so that we can see where God is taking us so that this spirit will stir up within us that says, what's next? And so if you will, let me just mention a few things. I could mention a lot of things, but just a few examples of where God has taken us, the journey that we've been in. As most of you know, we're only two years old. We began this church in 2007, August of 2007, and after four months of being in existence, our average attendance on a Sunday was 106. In 2008, we had a full year under our belt, and our average Sunday attendance grew to 135. And this last year in 2009, our average attendance was 194 with a high Sunday of 266. We're on a journey. I could draw your attention to the fact that our Easter egg outreach that has been so successful up until this year in one location, this year we were able to expand it and simultaneously in two apartment complexes we did a huge Easter egg outreach and ministered and and fellowshiped with and got to know hundreds of children in these apartments. I could draw your attention to our angel tree party that we just had. I'm so thrilled. I'll, I'll just have to talk about that all year probably because... From buying gifts for children we never met, suddenly this year we expand and we get to meet the kids face-to-face and give away somewhere around $10,000 worth of gifts and food and Christmas decorations to families and children who needed help. We began the Dog Days of Summer Outreach in June. You'll remember that on Wednesday nights for about an hour and a half. We'd go over to one particular apartment complex and we'd set up a grill and we'd give away hot dogs and chips and a drink during that course of those few months we gave over 800 hot dogs away and if we're not careful we can shrink because what we will do is we'll think we've done enough and now that we're stable and now that the bills are being paid and the lights are always on and we don't have to worry well we sometimes do but not like we used to we, you, you understand what I'm saying there is a difference we but we will come to this conclusion that we don't have to do anymore and we've done enough and we'll sit down and we'll rest upon our successes and our laurels and our achievements and say that's enough that's all we want but I came to tell you this morning that I'm not satisfied I want more. I'm ready for what is next. I want to grow. Do you recognize that to grow it will cost you blood, sweat, and tears? Can I inform you this morning because some of you are sitting there nodding your heads like you want what's next too. The reality is is that to get what's next you can't do what you've always done and expect different results. That's a definition of insanity. You've got to do something different. There have to be changes. And in order for us to grow, we will have to do things that will cost us blood, sweat, and tears. In fact, I just want to inform you, some of you, it's going to cost you some comfort zone issues because if we're going to grow, you might have to change services. 
If we're going to grow, you might have to sit next to somebody you don't exactly like too much. If we're going to grow, things might just have to change the way things we've, we've always done. We might have to adjust them a little bit like we might. Some of you couldn't even worship because the guitars are on the wrong side. I know how y'all are. We got to change. That means for you this morning, if, if you're with me, are you with me? Okay. If we want to grow as a body, if we want to grow, then our commitment levels, your commitment level has to go up. Because let me tell you this morning, if passion is about 10th on your priority list, that ain't going to cut it. And while I'm there, may I just inform you of what our priority list ought to be in this order. God, family, church. Everything else ought to be a distant fourth. That means that sports aren't more important than church. Vacation isn't more important than church. That means, y'all are, man, that's just bouncing. Shopping ain't more important than church. Our commitment level has to go up. Our work can't be more important than church. Oh, wait, listen, you can make work more important than church if work is your source. But if work is just a channel through which the source operates, then you better make the source more important than the channel. Thank you. Got one, two amens out of that whole thing right there. I just came to tell you that your work might dry up. God never dries up. Well, my house, my, my beautiful brick house, man, you know, I got to spend my time there. I got to get it ready. Listen, if that is really your shelter, then so be it. But I just discovered that a tornado can tear up your house and an earthquake can damage your house and it will dry rot and it will fall apart. Even as nice as it is, if you just moved into it yesterday, nobody's ever lived in it before, there will come a day when the door will not swing right and a water heater will go out and ruin your carpet because what is... Temporal does not last, but the shelter of our soul never decays. And so we've got to make, if we're going to grow where God wants us to grow, then we've got to make what is important the most important. We've got to get the order of our priorities right. So I came to tell you this morning what's next. I, I want to do it like this. I want to tell you that there are four factors in our, in our body that we have to shore up. If we don't deal with these four factors, we will shrink. They are the shrink factors for passion. And so I want to point them out so that we can make sure that we deal with them. The number one thing is this. We will shrink from a lack of word. If we want to grow as a body, if we do not allow ourselves to become permeated by the Word of God, we will shrink. Now, I'm I, just going to be honest. I'm not talking about the preached Word because even if I have to give this microphone up to make it happen, you are going to hear the Word of God preached from this pulpit. I'm not going to give this microphone to anybody just because they got something to say. They better be bringing some Word. So I'm not talking about the preached word. I am talking about we will shrink if we are not daily immersing ourselves in the word of God. It is that word, that daily read word, that daily uh, used word, uh, 
gained word that you get as you break the bread of life that sustains us. It is that word that becomes the foundation of our life. It is that word that grows us. It is that word that challenges us. It is that word that corrects us. It is that word that cleanses us. It is that word that causes us to grow. The issue for most of us is that since we don't know how to handle the word, the word can't handle us. If we don't become a group of people who are bathed daily in the word of God, then this body will shrink. Jesus had an occasion in his ministry. He was uh, in a discussion with church folks. In fact, the people he's talking to are some of the most church folks on the planet. They know everything there is to know about church. They are the most traditional. In fact, they will kill for their tradition people on the face of the earth. They're called the Sadducees. And he has this dialogue with them in Matthew chapter 22, verses 23 through 29. Listen carefully. It says this. That same day, the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses told us that if a man dies without having children, his brother must marry the widow and have children for him. Now, there were seven brothers among us, and the first one married and died. And since he had no children, he left his wife to his brother. And the same thing happened to the second and the third brother right on down to the seventh. Finally, the woman died. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be of the seven since all of them were married to her? Listen to Jesus' response. You are in error because you don't know the Scriptures or the power of God. I came to tell you this morning, we can know everything there is to know about church, and we can know when to raise our hands and when to cry and when to shout and when to dance, and some of you know. But if you don't know Scripture, you don't have the power to live. It is on His Word that we live and on His Word that we grow. They faltered because they didn't know the Word. Can I ask you a question this morning? How many of us are churched but don't know Scripture? Let me help you. We're going to fix this. You need to get involved in passion for the word. We have made this so simple for you. I am challenging. You should have started on Friday, by the way. It was January 1st, and hopefully you did. If not, we're not, hey, we're not even asking for your holy, most reverent, most holy ground weekends. I'm just asking for five days a week for four minutes a day. Think about that. That is less time than it takes you to go through the Starbucks drive-thru. We're asking you for four minutes a day to read Scripture so that by the end of the year you will have completely read the New Testament. If you can't read God. God's word for four minutes a day. How weak and shriveled up a Christian are you? Four minutes. Four minutes a day. And we made it so simple. There's a printed guideline in your program this morning, but maybe you won't have this. And you can get on the internet and go to passionforword.tv, and it's there in the Message Bible. Easy to understand. You ought to be taking your kids through this. We need to know His Word. Well, Steve, I don't really need to do that because the truth is I'm going to read more of God's Word than just four minutes a day over the course of this year. Really? I believe that for about two of you sitting in here because two of you have proven it year after year after year. But most of us are like me. 
which is I have great intentions and very poor follow-through. And we think, man, I'm just going to read the Bible. This is my year. 2010 is my year. I'm going to read the whole thing 17 times. You watch, and you won't follow four minutes a day. Get on board. Can you imagine the body-wide impact if we would all read God's Word together? We will be changed from the inside out because the Bible says that His Word never returns void will always accomplish its purpose. And what's its, its purpose to accomplish? To grow us. The second thing that we will shrink from, if we're not careful, is we will shrink from a lack of relationship. Growth requires community. Growth never takes place in a vacuum. I've never met anybody that wasn't in relationship, that, that was a loner all by themselves that was healthy. The only people you ever find, it seems like, that we ever hear about that didn't need anybody are those guys hiding up in the mountains somewhere that have beards like Aaron Palacios that blow up post office and airports. I've been giving Aaron a hard time about his beard. He's, he's going Grizzly Adams. Y'all don't even know who Grizzly Adams is unless you're as old as I am. We need relationships. Listen, no man is an island unto himself. You gotta have somebody in your life. Let me let me ask you like this. Because Benjamin Button taught me this. You gotta live with the end in mind. If he didn't teach me nothing else, he taught me that. You gotta live with the end in mind. And if you want to be different than you are now, you've got to live that way from the beginning. Let me ask you a question about the end. If you're not in relationship with folks, who's gonna carry your coffin? Strangers? Hey, could you come off the road just a minute and let, carry this thing in the building? We got a, a few, I know you don't know them, but could you just carry this? We need some help. Who wants to live like that? If you're not in relationship with somebody and, and a group of people, who's going to laugh with you? Who's going to cry with you? Who's going to celebrate your victories? Who are you going to turn to? I started to say, who are you going to call? And then this, my 80s came out in me just a moment. I got to get out of the 80s, y'all. I'm looking for parachute pants. I'm going to bust out some parachute pants in this place. Y'all don't even know what parachute pants are. Look at them. They don't even know what parachute pants Y'all are deprived. <laughs> I, had, I had every color. I had gray ones with black zippers, black ones with gray zippers, gray ones with red ones. I had colored Levi blue jeans. I had Don Johnson jackets, and I was anointed when I wore it. Y'all don't know. And a mullet. I had that too. But if you don't have relationship, who's got, who do you laugh with about stuff like that if you've got nobody in your life? When the tragedies of your life, because they do come. It, when you're going through tragedy, if you don't have a relationship, who is going to lift you up? Oh, you can call the pastor and say, well, I need you to pray. Well, I'll try to pray, but if I'm not in relationship with you, all I can do is just trust God. But if I know you, I can empathize with you. If your friends around you, the people sitting next to you, you get to know you, they can empathize and they can put themselves in your position and it will change the way they pray. I got news for you. We will shrink if our pods are not effectively connecting you with one another. What's a pod? It's a place of discipleship. It's a small group. It's an affinity-based group. That means you find people that like to do what you do. I'm not even asking you to hang out with people that don't like to do the stuff you like to do. 
It's not like I'm asking you to hang out with people you don't like. I'm asking you to find people that like to do like what you like to do. Like if you like to eat, find somebody that likes to eat and go out to eat together. How hard is that? Because what happens is, like some of us, we like to play softball. Well, you can't grow spiritually playing softball. You better believe you can. Because before every game, we'd huddle up and say, what you, what's going on? We would have prayer requests. I could find out. I, I found out a lot about Chad and Michael and some of the other guys. We played about what they're struggling with, what they're going through, what victories they've had in their life. We find out that stuff as we spend time. Find somebody you've got something in common with and hang out. I've challenged our pod leaders to make pods a priority this year so that you will make priorities, a pod a priority in your life. We're going to give you some assistance there. Tari and Amy, wave. That's Tari and Amy. I know, see the back of their head, beautiful back of their head. They have agreed to step up and become our pod leaders, uh, team leaders. They're going to oversee all the other pods, uh, the leaders. And if if you need help plugging into pod, I just don't know, man. I don't know these folks. I don't know how to get involved. Go see them. They're fun to talk to. They will plug you in. Or if there's not a pod that deals with what you like to do, they'll help you start one. Why should we do this? Because Jesus had a pod. Jesus' life was lived out in the relationship of 12 other individuals that he poured into and that poured into him, and because of it, they grew. we got to be connected or we will shrink. Life together better. That is not a cute slogan that somebody just happened to come up with. That is a reality. Our life is better when we're connected. There's something about the vine and the branches. And uh, Okay, I thought so. That's just reality. Third, we will shrink from a lack of knowledge. Maturity is brought on by gaining knowledge. You become more mature as you gain more information in life. You cannot become a more mature disciple without using this cuss word. Discipline. You cannot be a disciple without discipline. We're supposed to be growing in the knowledge of the Lord. Do you have more knowledge about spiritual things at the end of 2009 than you did at the end of 2008? If you don't, you're shrinking. The Bible challenges us in this aspect of our life. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 says this, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 says, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If you study more for your vocation or for a diploma than you do to get to know God, something is wrong. Some of you will spend hundreds and thousands of dollars to learn more about your vocation, but you're not doing anything to get to know more about God. Listen, if you're a doctor, please study. Especially if I'm scheduled to have surgery in your hospital, please do your homework. But if you're going to pray for me, please study. If you're going to preach to me, please study. If you're going to be in a relationship with me, please study so that you're not giving me your words, you're giving me his words. Here's the problem. Can I just tell you the problem? We used to do what I'm talking about in Sunday school. See, some of y'all don't even know what that is either. 
But we threw Sunday school away because it was too inconvenient. I don't know if people just came to church uglier back then. It didn't take them as long to get ready. I don't know if the kids were more cooperative back then. But we would get up earlier and come and study the Word of God systematically. We stopped it, and now, as a result, we are the most biblically illiterate generation to ever walk the planet. We got more praise and worship music. We got more more CDs and DVDs and programs, but we don't know more about God because we're not studying to show ourselves approved. So I'm going to fix it for you. What I've done is I've gone out and I've secured what I believe is one of the best Bible teachers I've ever met. He happens, I know I'm biased. He happens to be my dad. I think the proof is in the pudding. I think when you come and sit under his teaching, you will recognize that I'm telling the truth. He knows the word. And I've asked him to give us 11 Sunday nights in 2010, beginning at the end of January. You're getting ready to get the schedule in a few minutes. And through practical teaching, he's going to help us to gain knowledge that we need to grow. Sunday night? You're asking me to give a Sunday night? You want me to drive home and drive back to this place? Yeah, I do. Because I kind of like my Sunday nights too. I kind of like sitting on the couch and watching a little football. Anybody else in the room? I also happen to have a DVR. And I happen to know that whoever wins between the Vikings and the Green Bay Packers has no bearing on my eternal life or on my ability to grow spiritually. When has going back to school ever been convenient? Never. But we have got to come to this place where we count the cost and understand that spiritual growth is more important than sitting on a couch vegging out it's more important than my kids doing their homework. Make them do it on Saturday. That's what Saturday is for. Sunday is God's day. And so I'm, I'm just asking for one Sunday night a month for an hour and a half to get stronger in your walk with Christ. Oh, that went over huge. That's all right. Don't come. Don't. You don't want to grow? Don't grow. We'll, we'll make it as convenient for you as you as we possibly make it. If you listen, we got folks that drive from Kingfisher, forty-five minutes away. I understand if they can't make it back on a on a Sunday night, because it took them to nine o'clock at night to get home from here. It seems like y'all ain't never drove that road before, but that's a long road. And, and and so I understand, and I understand that things do come up. We're gonna make it as easy as possible. We want you here as much as you can get here. We're gonna provide childcare for children nine years old and younger. Make it as simple as possible. You can't get here. Watch it on the internet. You can watch it from home. Quit watching the other stuff you're watching on the internet. Never mind. Okay. I'm being mean on the first Sunday. Bad pastor. Bad pastor. Okay. And fourth, if we're not careful, we will shrink from lack of evangelism. I'm going to give you a good report this morning. In the two years of our existence, just found out about another one, which just makes me excited. In the two years of our existence, we have had at least 32 people that we know of. There are more than that, I believe, because we don't know everybody that watches over the Internet and has had encounters with our people. But at least 32 that we know of that have come to faith in Jesus Christ through the various ministry and outreaches of passion. We ought to celebrate that. Do you recognize this morning? Yeah, go ahead. It's one of those markers that we need to remember because do you recognize that the average church in America only wins one person a year to the Lord? And so I believe that God is doing something great here. 
But I bring that to your attention because if we're not careful and we don't continue to make that a priority, we will shrink. Now, that's going to force me to stretch, and I'll tell you why. I know my giftings. I am not an evangelist. I have never been an evangelist. I used to get so angry, so disappointed. I'd go to these youth conferences when I was serving as the national youth director, and they'd, they'd fly me in, and, and I'd be the first speaker. And I'd get up, and I'd preach my guts out, and kids would flood the altars. Kids coming down to to, you know, consecrate their life and, and, and seek the power of the Holy Spirit and answer the call to ministry and get freedom and all this stuff. And I'd feel so good until the next night. And we'd bring in some evangelist and he'd give an altar call for salvation and 19,000 kids would run to the altar. Same kids that got filled with the Holy Spirit the night before and answered the call to be a preacher and all that. They'd all run to the altar and get saved because his gifting was evangelist. That is not me. I understand my gifting. My gifting is I have always felt called to the body, but that doesn't let me off the hook. The Bible says that God gives the body five gifts, one of which is evangelist. I believe that God has placed in our body evangelists. So here's how we're going to stretch. After next Sunday, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday, you will never come to another passion service where there won't be a call given for salvation we're going to start this campaign i've asked mike baker who i know has the spirit of our gift of evangelism and woody burpo who i also know has that gift i've asked them to take the microphone at the end of each service they're not going to put their preach on because they both like to i will wave them down we will yank the volume on the mic they've got about a minute and we are starting this campaign called Make a Move because what we want people to do is make a move towards God. You are going to hear that phrase until you are absolutely sick of it. Or, you'll get this later, until you can repeat it. We've got to grow. I, Friday was the first day of Passion for the Word. Just so happens we read John chapter 1. Everybody read said. Don't say it out loud. You're going to embarrass somebody. In John chapter 1, I was reading, and it says this. Philip comes into contact with Jesus, recognizes who Jesus is. He's the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He, in turn, runs and goes and finds Nathaniel, and he says this. Won't you come and see Jesus? Can I tell you this morning that Mike Baker can stand up every Sunday morning twice a week and give an altar call or an invitation for people to make a move towards God and unless you work through the week to invite people to come and see Jesus it will be of no use how many times are you going to get saved because if there's nobody coming in here to see Jesus we're wasting our we're going to do it every week whether you bring anybody or not but I'm telling you that the success and the efforts and the potential that is out there is wrapped up in your willingness to understand that you are on a divine assignment every day of your life to invite people to come and see Jesus I am believing for the day when we give a call for people to make a move towards God when 32 in one service go that's me I need to, hey, that doesn't require a bunch of faith because I want you to know that's happening every Sunday in America. I just re read a report uh, of, of a Christmas service here in Oklahoma City where 560 individuals gave their life to the Lord on one Sunday. 32 is not too much to ask. But it won't do any good unless you recognize, guess what, there are some empty seats next to you 
who have you brought to see Jesus lately? We will shrink unless we up our intake of his word. We will shrink if we don't up, uh, take our relationship intake up. We will shrink if we do not grow in our knowledge intake. And we will shrink unless we up the outreach outtake. And so, y'all know on Sundays that what I do is, is uh, we hand out a little drive card on your way out. I've expanded it. The ushers are coming right now. This is how we're going to end this morning. I'm going to give you a few minutes to fill this out. You won't finish it, I promise. The sheet of paper that I'm giving you is a tool. It's going to ask you to assess where you have been in 2009. We're going to build memorials and markers. And if you lie on it, you're lying to nobody but yourself because you're the only one going to see it. Maybe. And I'll explain that in a second. It's going to ask you some questions about where you've been in your spiritual journey through 2009. Then on the right side of the page, it's going to ask you to make some goals for 2010. Because, listen, growth does not happen accidentally. Have you ever, have you ever seen anybody grow accidentally? No, not, except in their physical body, they grow without thinking about it. But if you're going to grow as a doctor, as a lawyer, as a store clerk, if you're going to grow as an athlete, it has to be intentional. So we're going to ask you to make some goals. On the back of that sheet, there's a tentative schedule for Passion University. I encourage you to put them on your calendar now because if you don't take control of your calendar now, your calendar will take control of you and you will miss it. I'm going to pray over you, and then I'm going to give you just a couple minutes to start on it because I know some of you won't do it if I don't make you start doing it right now. And here's the challenge. For some of you, you are disciplined enough to do this on your own. When you fill it out, you make your goals. Some of you are so disciplined, you will actually begin to make progress towards your goals. Some of us are not. And so I want to challenge you this morning, if you need accountability, then what you need to do is once you fill this whole thing out, you need to ask somebody to come into relationship with you to ask you questions like, have you read your word today? Four minutes. Have you been attending church faithfully? Have you been giving faithfully? Are you concerned about who you're supposed to win to the Lord this year? For some of you, that's your spouse, but some of you know that your spouse will let you off easy. And so you need to find somebody that has enough guts to ask you the hard question and ask them, make a copy of it, and ask them to help you be accountable in these areas. Father, I pray that right now we would be transparent and honest. God, I know we can fool folks most of the time, but we cannot fool you. And if we're really honest, we know who we are in you and where we are. And so this morning, God, we are, we are anticipating what's next. We believe, I believe with all of my heart that what is next for us is we're going to become more diligent in reading your word. We're going to become more diligent in our relationships. We're going to become more diligent in gaining knowledge. And we're going to become more diligent in trying to bring people to see you. But in order for us to do that, God, we have to come to this place where we're honest about where we really are. So, Father, over the next few minutes, I'm not going to give them long, but I just pray that you'd allow us not to try to put on any show that pride wouldn't get the best of us. We would answer these questions honestly, and it would force us to move to what's next in Jesus' name. Amen. you got a few minutes to fill it out, and then I'll 
I'll tell you when we'll dismiss here in just a second. stand with me this morning I know you're not done some of you are not done that's fine it's your homework if you need special prayer this morning our prayer team is out in the west lobby as you exit this room you turn to your left and they're stationed there and they'll pray with you if you're visiting the first time make sure you stop by and talk to one of our ushers and they'll point you to the right direction to get your cookies I want to pray over you this morning a very dangerous prayer then I'm going to let you go. Jesus, we want what's next. So cause us to st take the steps necessary to grow. Make us uncomfortable at our present level. Help us to be disciplined enough to make a move forward into what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed this morning. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more past resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.